Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership Podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership Podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. Today, we're going to be hearing from Dr. Blake Thompson, who is the president at Mississippi College. He brings both academic and extensive professional leadership experience to his position as president, and he's sharing some of that with us today. Joining me in the studio to listen to and discuss the interview this week are my friends and fellow leaders, Anna Maria Dempsey, Anthony Jackson, and Jake Sullivan. How are y'all doing today? Doing well. Good. Well, In the interview today with Dr. Thompson, we're going to hear that he's led in a lot of different areas at a lot of different companies, and he's done it well. So I want to start off the show this week with this question. When in your life have you had a significant transition, and what helped you navigate that transition? Anthony? I can think of two times. The first one would be in high school. I broke my leg during a basketball game, so at that point I had to rethink what I was going to do in my life after graduation. At first, it was always set on signing a D1 scholarship on a signing day. But after that incident, it made me rethink everything. So coming out of high school, I didn't even plan on playing sports. Um, but then I ended up, Coach Bland recruited me. I liked the school. I knew that they had their own law school. So that was a selling point for me to come to Mississippi College. And once I got to MC, I got hurt my freshman year, missed the whole season. Um, I got hurt my sophomore year, missed the wow. whole season. <laughs> so I didn't get a chance to play until my junior year. But at that point, I mean, it felt like my body was failing me. So I needed to find something else to put my time into. So yeah, that was a tough transition to give up something that for the longest I had put my identity in. Yeah. Jake, how about you? I had a pretty big transition. Uh, first time I left the state, I moved from Mississippi out to California. And before that, I'd been working as a tile mason and thought that was sort of my future. But the housing market collapsed and lost that gig. So I think that helped me with, with transitions after that because I didn't have that same permanent mindset of the decisions that I was making, that I was committing to something as long as it lasted and then I could always move on after. Uh, and that led to my first leadership position at Subway. So, And that's kind of become a big thing for you now. Yeah. Anna Maria? Uh, one of the biggest transitions I experienced was when I went from going to one small Christian college to working at a different Christian college and had this assumption that they would be pretty similar in culture and the way they operated, that sort of thing. Um, and that was a really big shock. And I, for the longest time, was kind of trying to force my previous experience and the culture I came from into this new situation, and it wasn't working. And when I finally went the other way and tried to immerse in their culture and understand how they do things, things really took off as far as feeling that they were receptive to to me and to my leadership. For me, I would say one of the, the biggest transitions in my life was when I went down to Honduras to teach at a school there. I've talked about that a couple times on this podcast before, but when I went down there right after college, it was the first time I had gone somewhere for an extended period of time, more than a few months, where I didn't know anyone. 
which is super strange. I grew up in a large family, was used to being around people that I knew. Then all of a sudden there was no one there. And uh, a couple things that helped me in that were, well, the primary thing is that there was a community of North Americans there who were all kind of going through similar things or had gone through similar things. And in that, there were there were two specific things. First of all, there were a lot of first-year teachers. And so I had a bunch of other teachers where everything for them was new, just like it was for me, which was super helpful. And then there were also some people who had been there for you know, three, four, five, six years. And so I could rely on them to provide insight when I had questions and things like that. And both those were very helpful to have people to go through it with together and then people to kind of lead me along the way. So the Honduras experience and the transition was super helpful to have community around me to help me out. Before I get to the bio for Dr. Thompson, Anthony is actually the outgoing student body president at Mississippi College. And last year was Anthony's first year as the president, as well as Dr. Thompson's first year as president. And so they had a a mentor-mentee relationship. And this is something we've talked about a lot on the podcast, but this is the first time we've had that mentor-mentee dynamic in a single episode. So I wanted to give him a second to talk about his personal experience with Dr. Thompson as a mentor in his life in this last year. Um, It's been an amazing experience. When I first met him, I didn't know much to think about him, number one, because he does look so young. Um, Number two, because he acted like a child in our first meeting, like he's real giddy. And when I walked in that meeting, I wouldn't know the intent, like, I got to get something done. I'm here to handle business. But he was just real laid back and cool. So it was something I wasn't used to. It's been a it's been a wonderful relationship. I think the the thing he's helped me with the most was overcoming those transitions and helping me understand why they happen. Um, and then when you go through his bio, when you read it, you see all the different transitions he's had to make in his life. If you ask him the reason why he ended up going to pharmacy school, that was the biggest transition for him that he told me about. And, yeah, just being there with him and him walking with me every step of the way through everything that happened this year, through all the work we was able to get done, it was just an amazing experience. Yeah, yeah. Well, Dr. Blake Thompson is the 20th president of Mississippi College. Before becoming president, he served as a leader in higher education, in research circles, and in government. This includes educational leadership roles at Ohio State University, as a vice president with Battelle, which is the world's leading nonprofit research and development organization, and as a senior staff member of the U.S. Senate Appropriations Committee in Washington, D.C., He has a Ph.D. in pharmaceutical sciences from the University of Mississippi and an executive master's from Georgetown University. He brings his vast and varied leadership experiences to his current presidential role and is well respected and loved by the community at Mississippi College. Here is Blake Thompson. Dr. Thompson, thank you so much for joining the show today. I'm glad to be here. How have the first 10 months as president at Mississippi College been? Oh, um, and not only am I glad to be here today with you, I'm glad to be at Mississippi College. Um, I couldn't have imagined a better 10 months. Um, We have enjoyed every day of it. I've had some hard days, but I've enjoyed uh, being here every single day. Well, you've been a leader in higher education, in international research, and U.S. government. Are these all areas you plan to work in, or have you just found the secret for how to lead well, no matter what situation you're in? Um, it's certainly not my plan. I like to joke uh, with our students that you can only see the plan in the rearview mirror. Uh, you never get to see the plan out of the, the windshield. I'm, I'm thankful. I believe God has led us uh, here, has given me this diverse set of experiences, but I didn't know how they'd all be knit together. Sure. Um, I'm, I'm just thankful that they that they have. So when changes have come, are there any principles you've used to navigate those changes, whether it's in sectors or just jobs in particular? I've I've tried to keep 
keep my decision-making process simple. And what I've really looked at from even the time I was an undergraduate until now is when it comes to evaluating opportunities is to simply look at, right, the most compelling opportunity in front of me, right? What am I the most excited about going to do? And then go pursue it. Sure. Sure. Have there been learning curves along the way? Yeah, every time. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, in fact, what you what what I find is that um, at every stop, right, I say, what in the world have I gotten myself into? And then I go about the process of just digging in and starting to figure it out. You know, I, I went from, um, um, you know, I was in pharmacy school, right, is how, yeah. I, is how I got started. And um, at every step along the way to graduate school, to, to my first job out of graduate school, to even – um, the decision to kind of uh, go back to to school, to changing jobs, to then coming to Mississippi College, it's always been this this very simple but tough question: What's the most compelling opportunity in front of me? Um, what I'll be excited about getting up every day and going to do? Yeah. After earning your PhD, you went to Georgetown for an executive master's. I did. Yeah. yeah. So, what is the difference between this and other master's degrees related to business, and why is why is it something that's beneficial for your role today? Yeah. So, so a couple of answers to this. One, I think deep down, I always wondered, uh, was I good enough to go compete with uh, a great elite institution? Yeah. And um, I guess Georgetown was an opportunity to go and test myself, right, at a, at a world class uh, institution. And um, I think I was pretty successful. Right? I convinced myself that I could compete at that level, but but I have to also tell you it was a, it was a challenge. Right? I was working full time on Capitol Hill. We were in the process of having our second child. Yeah, it it was a grind, and so I understand uh, what some of our our students who are working full time and coming back to school uh, go through. I understand. Uh, uh, what it means to spend your weekends and evenings studying uh, and balancing a family and, and balancing a full-time, pretty intense job at the same time. I wouldn't trade it for anything. It was a great experience, and I learned great things. The The, the specific program, the focus of it was really interesting to me. The focus of the, the master's program was actually leadership. Okay, um, It was a, a topic that we delved into uh, deeply and that we uh, spent a lot of time trying to, to understand and and I'm thankful for that for the experience. It's helped to shape me even further as a as a leader. So, from the academic side and just from life experience, you know leadership well. Who have been some of the people who have influenced your leadership the most before the academic journey, before maybe even a career? Who have been some of the people that have been most influential for you? Yeah. So, so my first lessons in leadership I learned from my dad, and my dad was a coach and a teacher, and and but really was a um, one who uh, served the institution that he was. Uh, that he was leading and served the institution he was at, and he, and what I remember most about uh, my dad's style of, of leadership was that he he really he loved his kids. Mm. Uh, he loved those students on his school bus that he drove every day. He loved those uh, students on the field where he was coaching. He loved those students. And so I've, I've tried to bring that philosophy of leadership to my job every day. So. You've been a college president for about 10 months. Have you seen any difference between your executive leadership here and your leadership roles in other other jobs you've had in the past? I think leadership is universal, but I also think leaders have to be adaptive and they have to adapt to the situations that they're in. I think I've had the tremendous opportunity to practice leadership in a variety of settings. I've had the ability to to watch good leaders. Um, I'm thankful for a whole list of, of kind of mentors uh, who have come along after my dad sure. and, and have picked up. I got to work with 
Senator Cochran in Washington, D.C. Okay. He was an incredible leader, an incredible gentleman. Um, I got to work with leaders at Patel, leaders at Ohio State. I've had mentors from from other sectors who have given me advice and guidance and and let me really see leadership, and, um, and, I've, and they've allowed me to practice it, and I'm thankful for it. Have there ever been times where you maybe entered into a new job and weren't quite sure what to do? And Because I know that there are, are young people who are starting off jobs in professional careers and maybe don't have the mentors that they need like you've had in the past. Any tips there for how to figure things out along the way if you don't have those mentors and leaders to, to show you along? Yeah, you know, I, think, I think the first thing is to listen. Right. And, and to look and to understand your organization. Right. You've got to care more about your organization than you do yourself. Yep. And I think that's if I've got one tip or technique to, to give folks as they enter new roles, whatever they may be. Right. Just stop and listen. Right. And, and learn uh, before you try to before you try to act. What are some personal leadership priorities that you have as president at Mississippi College? I have a, another one of those mentors that we've talked about had a saying that I just it sticks in my head. The saying is simply the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Yeah. And I love that saying. If I had a uh if I had a quote board on my wall, it would that would be one of the the quotes on it. But but it really means right focus and focus on what's most important in the institution and and for me, right, that has been our students, right? So going back all the way to those leadership lessons I learned from my dad, right? The 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 goal, right, of leadership is to, is to love those that you're that you're responsible for leading. Being an executive is something that a lot of young leaders don't know much about because they don't have those opportunities, unless they've had it in some student role or something like that. What are some of the most important leadership behaviors to develop and to have as an executive? I'll have to tell you, this is the way I've approached all of my leadership roles. Uh, I think the most important characteristic is humility. You don't know it all. You don't understand it all. And as long as you kind of keep this 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 approach to leadership of of being humble and understanding there are others that have incredibly valid inputs and opinions that you don't know all the right decisions to make it makes you a better leader so and, and, and you know of those leaders that I've seen been able to work with and and observed and studied I, th- I think there is this kind of underlying almost hidden trait of humility among the great ones and I, I forget which book it was one of the good to great built to last it talked about sure. level five leaders mm-hmm. it just resonated with me because i've seen in my in my life this underlying uh, humility that kind of uh, underscores right really really great leaders any tips on how to develop and maintain that humility? Because you are you are at the top of whatever organization yeah. that you're at. No, no, this is important, and I have a talk that I that I give on it. And and for me, and and for Mississippi College, I think we're a, we're a faith based institution, right? That is a is centered on Christ. And for us, the ultimate uh, source of humility is our Savior. And we look to what He did, right? He humbled Himself, and as the song goes, He humbled Himself and carried the cross and and for him to do that, for those he served, right, he served us, we have a responsibility to turn and do that for others. Um, I give a talk where I illustrate this by showing folks the um, national championship ring that I got when I was at Ohio State okay. University. I show them the ring, and but then I tell them that, that this ring is kind of like our, our faith. I didn't do anything to deserve it, right? I didn't do anything to earn it, right? It was given to me. So I can't brag about it. Um, somebody else did it. All I did was show up as part of a family 
And that's the way I approach uh, my leadership as well, right? I'm, 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 I'm humbled by the fact that folks have given me the opportunity to lead. I didn't do anything to deserve it, right? I, I, but I showed up. I'm part of a family, and I'm thankful for it. And I try to lead from that from that kind of grounding. I actually didn't know about the national championship ring. What do you have? To, what position do you have to be to to receive that? Assuming you're not well, so, so I was. I, I don't know. Um, I was at the. I was part of the the group, the Ohio State delegation that went down to watch the first. Actually, it was the first college playoff national championship game. It was a great run. It was, if you'll remember, it's that season uh, where the starting quarterback went down, the backup quarterback went down, the third string quarterback wow. came through and 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 led uh, in unexpected ways to uh, to a national champion. It's a great a lesson in triumph and, and victory. But I was, you know, six months, six weeks after the um, after the game, in my office showed up this ring and. And I've been trying to figure out since then what I did to deserve it. And, and I finally came to the conclusion, nothing, right? Just enjoy it. Be thankful for it. How often do you brandish it? Um, only when I give the talk saying I, didn't, I don't deserve it. There you go. Do you think there are any leadership behaviors that are overrated? And are there any that are underrated? Yeah. So, so quickly, I have a little equation that I use. And I really love this. I think to answer the question, what's overrated, I think charisma is overrated. I have this little equation that I use that says character is greater than competence, which is greater than charisma. Hmm. And I think many times we get that backwards, right? We're a celebrity-driven culture, and we look to charisma. We let kind of outside appearances uh, guide us. And and I really think that the order is the opposite, that that character grounds everything. You've got to be able to do the job, right? You've got to have the skill set. I think that's greater than charisma. I think charisma is important and can be an aid, but it, it shouldn't come uh, before any of those other two attributes. What guidance would you give to young leaders looking to plan and prepare for their future as leaders? So I'm going to tell them to do the same thing I did, right? Pursue the opportunities that are before you and pursue them with everything you've got. Don't worry about the next step beyond that. Just go do a great job at whatever it is you're doing. All right. Well, before we finish, I have a few final questions that are meant to inspire us toward better leadership. You ready? All right. All right. What is some lesson saying or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day? So so one of the great I, – I hope it's a Southern saying. I'm not sure who said it. But I love the, the phrase, uh, what do you think when um, you see a turtle on a fence post? The, the answer is, right, he, he didn't get there by himself. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is? A leader's humble, <laughs> right? A, a leader is more worried about others and about the organization. And then I hope a leader is enjoying uh, what she or he is doing. What is a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others? Um, I don't know the particular question, but I do think this idea of curiosity is essential, right, is to remain curious, to keep asking questions over and over and over again until you get to the bottom. What book would you recommend to leaders? Perhaps one of the most important jobs, the main job of a leader is to set culture. And I love the idea of, of culture. I've read a bunch of books on culture, but... But there's one, the, the, the name of the book is A Meal with Jesus. Okay. And it talks about really the culture that Jesus created through meals. And I love the book. It's not directly related. It's not, it doesn't talk about culture, but it is a culture that he created. If you could get every listener to start doing something this week that would help them to be a better leader, what would that thing be? I think it's just focus and live in the now, right? Live right here and right now and love what you're doing and go pursue it. And you'll be better for it. 
And finally, an arbitrary but insightful question. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? So I'm going to answer both, right? I said be curious. So just keep asking those questions over and over and over again. Well, Dr. Thompson, thank you so much for your time and for joining the show today. Oh, I'm grateful. Thanks so much. I hope you found today's interview valuable. We'll be back on Friday to discuss the interview and share some of our key takeaways with you. If you want to share your own thoughts on what you heard today or leave other feedback for the show, email us at community at lifeasleadership.com. And if you think today's show could be helpful to someone else who cares about becoming a better leader, go ahead and share it with them. Until next time, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist... It feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading well.